Well, hello everybody. Welcome to another intro musical soft season episode of the Mile High Hockey Podcast. I am Steph. It is the day after the entry draft, but a little earlier than qualifying offers for RFAs are due. We'll likely chat RFAs when we chat UFAs in detail. And uh, gee, Earl, I sure hope we can find something to talk about. Shoo! I bet we will. Ryan is with us briefly. Hello, Ryan. Howdy ho. He's got a few other commitments this weekend, so we'll keep them as long as we can and go from there. We've got a few headlines to run down this week, including the newest members of the Avalanche Imaginary Awesomeness Caucus and Matt Duchesne's future and fashion and a teensy look at the free agency, but let's begin with goodbyes. With the other goaltenders available to the Golden Knights, I figured Calvin Pickard would be safe, but I was wrong, as he was a player chosen from the Avalanche to likely back up Marc-Andre Fleury in the desert. Pickard's career numbers with the Avalanche shakes down to 28 wins in 86 games, which were 74 starts a 914 save percentage, and three shutouts. His quality start percentage, which is the number of games he started and performed better than the season's average save percentage, is 514, which is about halfway between average and bad. At even strength, he leaves Colorado a 922 goalie. Are, uh, are we surprised by that by that take? Like I was? Uh, Slightly. I mean, I guess I could see it because I could see how Calvin Pickard might be your ideal backup goalie for years to come. He's a good teammate, and uh, he's okay enough in small doses to get the job done about half the time, which is what you want out of a number two. I've got a different take. I, I still think he's going to be a starter, and he's going to be good in this league. I, I think last season was not who he is. Um, I think he, I think given what he had to work with as far as no defense in front of him and no goalie coach as far as we can tell for most of the season that um that that perhaps is an outlier hmm. but i'm i'm extremely optimistic about the guy i just you know he's easy to root for and he's a great guy so maybe absolutely that's but i you know if he goes somewhere else and finds success i'm not going to be surprised either yeah, I think Las Vegas saw the gigantic GIF collection, you know, of Calvin Pickard online and just said, we have to have this guy. <laughs> yeah. He's just too photogenic. <laughs> yeah. Gifogenic? I, <laughs> somebody saw shared Vegas their mile high hockey folder and <laughs> Yeah, he'll he'll be a huge fan favorite there just like he was in Colorado. I mean, oh, sure. You know, that's, that's just the kind of personality he has. Yeah. So the Avalanche lose a good dude. Um, although I mean we can talk about this this year having been an outlier for him all we want, but it's like twice as much. Like this season, he played twice as many games as he had in previous seasons. So, like, it's the you're trying to discount the bulk of his output here. I know I, it's it it seems irrational, but it just you know not having a layer being one hundred percent committed to his job, and you know <laughs> it's not 5%. like any of the other goalies shined in front of him. <laughs> Either. Yeah, I mean, it just wasn't a good situation for essentially a first-year goalie. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I'm not down on his upside either. I think he could be better than what I imagine he might be. Uh, I just see not elite athleticism, not elite size. And I think ultimately you hope he could be, you know, a really good Peter Budai. But I, I don't think he's Semin Varlamov and... I think the Avalanche made the right move. It's unfortunate, but it's what happens in an expansion draft. Every team in the NHL lost a player that they liked, but well, you know, couldn't keep. I mean, could he be Jonathan Quick though? 
That's charged, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll, we'll and we'll get to Vegas later. I although I, I was surprised though that that Pickard was a the guy they chose for their backup. I guess that is a testament to how much they liked Nate Schmidt. They didn't pick Grubauer. Who did you think he was going to go with? I thought it was going to be Flurry and Grubauer. I don't know. I I thought. I, I thought they were going to be looking for a little more offense than they ended up getting. Um, that too. You know, I, I thought they would they would take an, a, a forward from the Avalanche. You know, maybe Rocco, maybe Grigorenko. Um, you know, Gerard Gallant has experience with Rocco from back in Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, that that seemed like that that was something that that might have been tempting for them. Um, <clears throat> You know, it's the the pedigree that Grigo has, and sort of looking at him as somebody who was underperforming on a horrible team. You might say, you know, that 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 could be a guy that could, could come in and on a, an expansion team look pretty good. I don't know. Um, yeah, I just it, it's clear to me that they had a pretty good plan going into this. They noticed that, that a lot of good defense was available to them. They had a couple of uh, goaltenders were either intriguing or proven, like Mark Andre Fleury, and. They drafted really high ceiling offensive players. Um, we probably could get to the NHL pretty quick. So yeah. they had a plan, uh, like, they executed it. And Derek England, but we'll get to Vegas later. <laughs> yeah, I have some thoughts on what's going on with that we'll get to later, but I, I'm not sure what they did as far as getting Calvin and, and taking all the defense. It was that smart. Well, a little bit of uh, fun going on with the some of the – Denver coverage, of course. We've got conflicting reports as to whether Vegas would have taken Varlamov or not. I don't think it's conflicting at all. They definitely would have. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> but you've got one. <laughs> but there were two reports, and one of them is wrong. Yeah, I, Chambers had Chambers was on state radio earlier this week, and and if I, I'll I'll post it on the site at some point. But it's it's like the funniest thing. I mean, you, you can't even believe someone in the media could be so wrong about everything they're saying on a on a radio show. You know, I have to admit to getting chambered. You know, this week during a rapid reaction to the draft, he said uh, our first round draft pick was headed to the University of Massachusetts Amherst. And I'm like, oh crap! I thought it was UMass, so I quickly changed our article. <laughs> <laughs> Should have done my further research because uh, that was incorrect. He's right back. U- Hopefully, no one noticed. <laughs> Everyone's qualifying UMass with Amherst. I mean, it's like nobody says UMass Amherst. It's like calling, you know, I mean, people in Colorado sometimes say CU Boulder, but most people just call it CU, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I just like, oh crap, is that a different thing? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I think they, they generally will only say Amherst just to clarify, no, I don't mean Lowell. No, I mean, it's more like you say UMass and everyone knows you mean UMass Amherst. And then right. you say UMass Lowell, UMass Boston, UMass Lecter. Mm-hmm. But that's the main one. <laughs> yeah, yes. it, it's gigantic. It's, I don't know, there's got to be 50,000 kids there. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to how the Avalanche fill the Calvin Pickard gap a little bit later. Um, you're kind of bringing us to the second mo- most important bit of news this week, which is, of course, the Avalanche draft selections. Um, Woo-hoo! First overall, oh, first overall was uh, not the Avalanche because of, you know, math and reasons. Ping so, pong ball. As, uh, as correctly predicted by your boy Matt Chambers, the Avalanche selected Brooks McCarr. <laughs> fourth overall. And he is going to be Brooks for it. For now on, so yeah, or not Brooks, 
which I prefer. Not Brooks. Kale McCarr, a defenseman from the uh, Alberta Junior A. He uh, drew all kinds of fun comparisons after the Avalanche picked him up that made me uh, excited. Yeah. Let's talk about not Brooks McCarr. Um, I, you know, I, I have some definite questions about this pick, but, um, you know, first of all, I'm really glad the Avalanche took a defenseman first, like they haven't done in, since Shattenkirk. Um, I, I like what this kid could turn into if sort of what he's shown so far isn't smoke and mirrors. Um, he can definitely skate like the wind. He's got a lot of skill. He's not, you know, he's not like crashing into people all the time, but he's he's not unphysical. Um, I think he's taught to play defense, and given the kind of situation he's going to be uh, in, in at UMass, um, I think he's going to have to learn to play defense rather quickly. Um, mm-hmm. So it's interesting know, that he chose that program. <laughs> well, I mean, he he chose it two years ago when there were different coaches, and that was his only option you know i think mm-hmm. i think if they're recruiting him right now he'd, he'd probably be able to go to you know north dakota or whatever program he wanted to or do you uh, <laughs> or do you <laughs> um but you know there, there's a little smoke and mirrors here that he was playing in a, in a lower league he was dominating people he was a lot better than the goalies down there are not very good so, and, and he was also, he, he's, he's fairly old for his draft class. So you, you just got to wonder about some of those things, but, um, you know, you see the skill and the speed and, and you're, you know, you just can't, can't be disappointed about the pick. Yeah. I like high ceiling draft picks in the first round. Uh, you know, in my opinion, half of them are going to bust anyway. You might as well be, you know, reaping dividends on the ones that do hit it. And he does have as high end a talent as you could probably ask for in a defenseman in this draft. Um, you know, Heiskanen probably would have been the safer pick and that's all right too, but, um, and that's why know, Dallas shoot for the stars. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I like, I like the parallels between Makar and Heischer and then Heiskanen and Nolan Patrick, you know, it's like absolutely you've got two safe, steady guys. And then you've got two guys that are just, you know, could be amazing if, if everything works out. So it, it was kind of fun to watch that. Yeah, um, the high-end comparison for Makar seems to be Eric Carlson, just kind of a big name to, be, to compare a defenseman to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Going to lead the uh, blurb off of uh, off of elite prospects real quick. Many have called Kale Makar one of the purest talents to ever crop up out of the AJHL. He reads and executes plays quickly, making good things happen for his teammates every time he's out on the ice. Stick handling and puck possession play is superb. Makes high percentage decisions that help his team move the puck up ice. Can you think of a team that may need that? Yeah. <laughs> High-end hockey IQ and understands his own game very well, allowing him to stay coachable and play to his strengths in any situation. That's something that AJ referenced on BSN's uh, kind of wrap-up on the draft, was that he was very wise about what he needed to improve on. It wasn't, oh, I need to get you know stronger, get a little, get a little bigger, get a little quicker. It, it was, here's some specific stuff I'm going to work on. Yeah, I mean, yep. I think he realizes he was in an easier league and that, you know, moving up to you know wherever he goes next as far as, you know, UMass and then turning pro, 
Um, you know, it's going to be big steps, and, and he needs to round out his game because, you know, even if he had tried to be defensively responsible in that league, he just he wouldn't be challenged at that level. So. Yeah, and he may have been on the older end of his draft class, but he's about as young looking as anybody I've seen draft in that first yeah. round in a long time. <laughs> that age is arbitrary. Um, he's got a ways to go to develop physically. I don't think he's going to be one and done like Tyson Jost. He could be. I mean, let's see what happens. But I think he's at least two years away from sniffing a contract at the Avalanche. I, I think he might be one and done. I honestly do. Yeah. Um, do you think I, he's physically ready? The old uh, Miko Rantanen argument. I, I mean, he's a buck eighty-seven right now. I mean, that's you know, that's that's really stocky for his height right now. So I, you know, I, I think he's he's gonna he's gonna get hit a lot in hockey East because that's just hockey East hockey, mm-hmm. and he's gonna be on a bad team, so he's gonna be getting hit even more. So I mean, he's gonna get used to the contact and being able, you know, and having to use um, his strength. To make plays as well as his speed and whatnot. So, um, you know, we'll see after this year. But I, I think one year could prepare him enough that he could turn pro. But you know, if, if it was two years, then that's fine too. Yeah, we're mm-hmm. we're going to learn about Kel, a lot about Kel McCarr in a hurry with him playing with UMass because, uh, like like uh, Bob McKenzie said after he was picked, was that we don't really know um, what his defensive game really is. Like people think that his defensive game may be a, a weakness, but like it's like Bob McKenzie said, we don't really know what his defensive game looks like because he always has the puck. Yeah, <laughs> what a terrible problem. <laughs> and also, you can't I mean, evaluate him because he's so good offensively. <laughs> yeah. And one nice thing about uh, going to Zoomass is that the Zoom the ass? new yeah that's that's common that's a pretty common name for it. Um, the the <laughs> new coach that just came in last season was a former assistant with the Ottawa Senators and head coach. Mm. Various Ottawa Senators defensemen like Eric Carlson. So, Aha. Uh, you know, that that's probably a good thing. So are we saying Cal McCarr is Eric Carlson? No. No, we I cannot do that. But if he even grows into diet Eric Carlson, I'd, I'll take it. <laughs> I'll even take uh, Eric Carlson zero. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he could turn out to be a guy that, that kind of is his own, you know, people... People call him a Kale McCarr type of player down the road. I mean, um, you know, I, I think he, he, he'll end up having a different game than Carlson. But, um, you know, I, th- I think he could still be pretty special, if, again, if everything goes the right way. So we come into Saturday. The Avalanche lead off the second round of the draft. There's a few interesting names still on the board, and they settle on Connor Timmons, 32nd overall, a defenseman from the OHL. I like the pick. Um, I, I I was in favor of, of drafting Nick Haig, who, if you haven't heard, he's he's six foot six and he can score. Um, or or trading back. Um, and I, I didn't know anything about Timmons to be honest. I mean, I, I knew who he was vaguely, but I, I really you know I I can't study that many prospects. They just fly right out of my ears. Um, but this guy's good. He's, you know, he, he, he can put up offensive numbers, but he's responsible in the defensive end as well. As far as I can tell, the only, um, you know, the, the, the question is about his skating, which 
the abs have shown that they can work on with people. Um, but everything else, he's very smart. He moves the puck well. I mean, I, I think it's a good sort of complement to what they got in the first round. How would you uh, compare him to a similar draft pick a couple years ago in Nicholas Milosh? Um, I don't think he's that physical, but and, and and he seems to have a lot more offense. Um, so again, I th- I think sort of he falls in between Milosh and Makar. Mm-hmm. So I, I think they're going to be three very different types of defensemen, all of which you want on your team to be able to complement each other in various situations. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like Milosh is, is going to be, I'm not going to call him a defensive defenseman because you know, he, he can produce points as well, but he would be the guy you might want late in the game with a lead or, you know, tough situations, tough penalty kills, that kind of thing. Um, whereas Timmons would be sort of a jack of all trades. You know, he'd be, the guy that can do everything and Makar is just going to score like, you know, three points a game. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm like you, I, I don't watch enough junior hockey. I, I see international tournaments, you know, I can read uh, profiles, but I don't get a good enough read on these guys, you know, after the first 15 picks or so. Um, yeah. yeah. It's just off our radar. It's not on television in America. <laughs> I just, I, I can't remember that many people. <laughs> <laughs> his, his stat line is certainly reasonably impressive. With Sousse Marie, he had uh, 54 assists in 67 games. Yeah, how Ain't about bad. that? <laughs> As a yeah. defenseman, the, the Avalanche yeah. going with two Ds to start their draft off, the old double D. How do you feel about those that decision there? With like, well, to start off with two defensemen. I mean, I think it was needed, and it has. It's something that I, I don't know if it's ever happened for the Avalanche, but. Um, you know, I, I think the two, the two guys they got are two guys they really needed in the system and it, it worked out really well that way. I don't know if, you know, I, I'm pretty sure they didn't say, Hey, we're going to take two D's no matter what, mm-hmm. but I'm glad they were open to it. Um, because in the past, you know, they'd be fine with taking two forwards, but ignoring <laughs> the four. Yeah. To me, it signals they took a best player available. Um, they're filled a need with a defenseman in the first round, clearly, but that they kept drafting defensemen, you know, indicates to me that they're looking towards the future. And it's not just about plugging a hole in the system. It's about uh, stockpiling it with talent in general. And they're taking the best talent off the board rather than filling a position. Well, I think they did that at number four, too, because, I mean, there were a lot of people who were viewing this draft as a, as a you know, four-man top. You've got Heischer and Patrick, and as the best forwards and then you've got Heiskanen and, and Makar as the best defenseman and the Avalanche right. got the, the one that was left and they would have taken any one of those four absolutely yeah. absolutely and shout yeah, out I mean, to I, the fucking Philadelphia Flyers who add Nolan Patrick to their roster because of math and stuff <laughs> <laughs> yeah well when he's only playing 25 games a year because he's injured all the time, they'll be loving that. So, not a whole lot else to say on Connor Timmons. I think that you basically already said everything the Black Book has to say about him. Yeah, but I, you know, I'm excited. I, I think, you know, I, I think the the first and second rounds, um, 
and, and, and the whole draft in general, but the first and second rounds really showed that they were willing to kind of think differently than they have in the past, and that's that's encouraging. Yeah, well, we'll get to an overall pattern once we get through the, the person by person here. Uh, the Avalanche went home for the third round. They decided they'd rather have uh, Jelen Onstead and came back to start off the fourth with Nick Henry, a right winger from the WHL. Regina Pats. Put up 81 scored. points in 72 games. That's a lot. That, but his yeah. also was on a very good team. Yep. <laughs> He's playing with some pretty good players, for sure. Um, I, you know, I, I like this pick. It's it's one of those, it's kind of a YOLO pick. Um, <laughs> there are a lot of questions because he's very young, and this was his rookie year in the dub. And he was playing, again, on a very good team with some very good players on his line. And um, But the best thing you can say is, all right, they put him next to Sam Steele, and he put up, you know, he, he put up 81 points. You know, he, he followed through. He was able to take what they were, were giving him. So, you know, that's encouraging. To me, for a third-round draft pick, it's, fourth, he's fourth, got fourth, a fourth, lot high. I'm sorry, third draft pick for the Avalanche in the fourth round. I mean, that is such a high ceiling for a fourth-round draft pick. Um, I just think he's got enough offensive talent to eventually make the NHL, um, which you can't say that for everybody you look at going in the fourth round. Yeah, Uh, It just doesn't happen. Reasonably stocky dude at 5'11", 190. I mean, that's kind of a... He may not have top-end, top-six talent, but he may be able to grow into a tweener kind of guy, like a Jamie McGinn kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just listening to an interview with him. He, he said his dad, you know, his dad's kind of tall, and he's he figuring he's going <laughs> to grow a little bit more. He's, he's hoping to get to six feet. I'm so, sure hoping, guys. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, even right now he's Matt Duchesne's size, so there's no problem there. Yeah, so this is someone who has uh, very good awareness offensively. He's a solid playmaker. He doesn't beat defensemen himself, but he catches them off guard with his passing and playmaking skills. But his shot is still pretty heavy. Yeah, I mean, 35 goals. Yeah. (laughs) He won't create it for himself, but he'll create it for someone else. Or if you create it for him, he'll put it home. That's what I'm getting out of it. Exactly, and in the the interview I listened to, he considered himself more of a playmaker. And I'm looking at it like, well, you had 35 goals and 46 <laughs> assists. I mean, that sounds like you're kind of a goal scorer too, bud. Yeah, well, on that team, I mean, I wonder how many of those goals are hammer and home rebounds and pad passes. You know, it was a lot. He he goes to the net from what I've seen. So, you know, he he plays bigger than than what you're looking at. If you're looking at like, oh, he's only five eleven. You guys know my favorite part about having Joe Sackick as the general manager is every time these guys walk on stage and take a picture with them, like I all of a sudden do not have the same reservations about their size that I did looking at them on paper. Um, <laughs> like if Sackick is like the smallest guy on stage, then we're okay. Well, they, it was funny with Makar though, and you had Wade Klippenstein next to him. It was like six three and probably two. 40 right now. Right. <laughs> that doesn't help. Get that guy yeah. off the stage. <laughs> but yeah, I, you know, it, this kid seems to play a little bit bigger than, than he looks. And I mean, 35 goals is 35 goals. You, you, you got to put the, the puck home to do that. And he's got that skill. So, you know, we'll, we'll kind of see, he's, I'm 
he's going to spend two more years in, in Regina, and, and they're going to have a great team this year because they're gearing up for the Memorial Cup. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I, I think that's really good from a development standpoint as well. So, so far, three picks that we're quite happy with, and also, like, both as, you know, the player individually and then also in comparison to the Avalanche organizational depth. Because the right wing, they are paper thin. thin, thin, thin. <laughs> yeah. At every level. <laughs> At every level. We continue into the fourth round with the draft of a goaltender from the Czech 2 League. Uh, Peter Kvacha is how I'm going to pronounce that one. And I think I'm pretty comfortable with that. I'll go with it, too. He played for uh, a few different teams. They get loaned around in the Czech 2 League, but he spent... Uh, most of his time with H.C. Cheska Budiavoj. And uh, <laughs> did fairly well, I think. I don't know. You know, I don't want to dump on the, the guy just because, you know, it's so it's so hard to know some something about a, a goalie in the Czech 2 League. <clears throat> the only anecdotal story I've heard about him is that he, he almost single-handedly Got them from the Czech two league back up to the the big Czech league by his stellar play late in the season last year. So I mean that's encouraging, but um, it, I'm not wild about this pick just because everything else seemed to go so well in the rest of the draft, and they kind of re- regressed to their let's take an overage European goalie because that's what we do. Yeah, I mean there was an organizational need clearly, um, and it also smells of this is a guy that was identified by our internal people like fairly early on. I mean, yeah. this wasn't like, the, the uh, best you know, the board. Yeah. Right. This is a projecting pick, projectable pick. Yeah. And, and, you know, two years from now we could be laughing at how good this guy is and how we, we kind of doubted this pick and, and called it a throwaway. But, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, it sort of right when it happened, you're just kind of like, what? And we're still kind of like, what? what? <laughs> because, like, e- even, like, knowing what we've heard from the Europeans about how, you know, he's taken some strides in the last year and p- helped brought his team almost to the bigger Czech league, um, it's still kind of a really, really uncertain pick. Especially right, or maybe a pick you make in the seventh round. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this, this is someone that you may not want to, to spend your picks on in the top 150. Yeah, right. I mean, there, there were options there they, they really could have... They could I mean, have done many, a little bit better, but again, given what they did throughout the whole draft, I'm I'm not that upset about it. Yeah, how many goals do you think went off the board at that by that point? Maybe half a dozen. Yeah, they had a big run in the third round, so I mean, hmm. you know, yeah, we didn't need to be in the third round. We got Eric Jelena. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, well, I, I don't think they. I don't think whether it's fourth round or sixth round or whatever. I don't think that's the goalie they need in the system. I think they need a. You know, first or second round goalie next year. You know that I, I'm selling out for like the one goalie I know f- that I've seen that's really good that'll be available next year, and that's Alexis Gravel from Halifax. And you know, hopefully that's something they might look at next year. But um, you know, I, th- I think next year I think the organization will be a little bit more settled with with stocking up prospects and whatnot that they can <clears throat> you know devote a higher pick to a goalie. 
Moving on to the fifth round, Colorado take a Russian who, by all reports, isn't super interested in coming to North America. Yeah. But this, I mean, if he does, they scored so big with this guy. If he does. That's, I'll, I will definitely put that in giant letters, if he does. But Igor Shvyryov was a 70-point scorer with uh, Magnitogorsk's MHL team, which MHL is the uh, either the junior or the developmental league for the KHL. I don't really know how exactly it's, to characterize it. It's their juniors. He lit the world on fire with that team, Stolmier Lisi, something like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, you know, th- I think that's why he wasn't drafted last year and why he wasn't really ranked or highly sought after this year is because, you know, that there's just little to indicate that he wants to come to the NHL. But if he does, he is highly skilled, a great scorer, and. I mean, he's not just a one-trick pony. He plays penalty kill. He's a good 200-foot player. I mean, this is a top number one C, you know, if, if they can get him over to North America. Well, we were saying a lot of these same things two years ago when we drafted a defenseman in the fifth round uh, by the name of Andre Miranoff. And, uh, you know, that was also a player that didn't appear interested in coming to North America. Yeah. Clearly uh, not quite the same level of talent, but uh, why not? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is what a great use of a fifth round pick, in my opinion, because I mean, you know, if you take some grinder that that has like a twenty percent chance of playing ten minutes a night on your fourth line, awesome. Mm-hmm. But you know, if you get this guy and he turns out to be, you know, an all star, I, I, you know, I like I, I like taking that kind of chance better than the grinder chance. Absolutely, because what, maybe 5% of all fifth-rounders ever make it to the NHL? I mean, if that. Taking a guess. If that. I mean, this so, is a great last three-round gamble. I'm down for it. Yeah. This is a guy that probably has 100% chance of making the NHL if he chooses to. Yeah. Uh, that, to me, is playing the good odds. Yeah. And, you know, they've got him for four years. Um, that means, I, you know, I, I'm pretty sure he's going to be in the KHL next year. So if he gets two or three years in the KHL, I, I know he's under contract for one more year for sure. But um, mm-hmm. you know whatever he ends up doing for two or three years, and you know you, you take the pro scout that we hired last year that that does nothing but monitor the pro leagues in, in Europe and and just continually touch base with them. Um, you know, maybe after a couple of years he, he starts thinking like, like, hey, you know, living in Denver might not be a bad idea, and we end up with something fantastic right this guy's going you know we got multiple successful russian players on a soon-to-be playoff team here <laughs> and uh you know maybe it's more comfortable situation in two years yeah more enticing and and, and who knows what's going to happen with the khl because they seem to be rapidly deteriorating as well so uh, Magnitogorsk some- is one of their bigger franchises from what right. i know I know, but if there's only four teams left, it's not that fun. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the, the Avalanche go to the sixth round, and they stay Russian, although this player has been in America for a little while now. This is an overager from Penn State. It's Denis Smirnov. No, I don't know anything about this guy, but I'm pretty sure we should start a tradition of drinking a malt beverage every time he gets on ice. Oh, they, they finally drafted a new Shane Winger. I mean, it's only taken him how many years? 
this guy's interesting. He's the second leading scorer out of the rookies in the NCAA last year. Um, you know, he, he put up 47 points in 39 games. I mean, he, you know, he's got the scoring touch. Um, Wait, Bloomer? Yeah. Possibly. And, <clears throat> you know, it, I don't think, it, you know, it, as, as opposed to Igor, I don't think the threat of him, you know, going back to Russia is, is very big. He seems to, you know, he's been in the United States for almost six years, I think. So I, th- I think he's pretty much here to stay. Um, I also don't, th- I mean, he might be ready for the AHL or the NHL next year. So, Which the system needs. Yeah. Um, and that would, you know, that, that kind of player is exactly the kind of player that San Antonio or Colorado, if it may be by that time, um, would really need. So, you know, so something, something to watch this year just to see if he can back it up. And if he can, if he, if he looks like he's ready to turn pro, um, you know, I, I, I think he might be amenable to it. So, yeah, yeah. I don't know about, uh, go ahead. Oh, I was saying, I don't know about uh, you guys or other Avalanche fans, but I love seeing this team draft more NCAA guys because I actually get an opportunity to watch them <laughs> throughout the season. Yeah. And uh, that's more fun for me. Yeah, it's, so. it's tough to catch Pintings and V's games. <laughs> um, yeah. I just, I think this is, again, this is another great use of a, of a high round pick. Instead of getting a grinder, you're getting a guy that can score goals, and you don't you don't know if he can score goals at the NHL level. But again, if he can, it's you know it's something you can really use. Yeah. This is a quick player. It's a smart player. Um, he's it's his third year draft eligible, but that also makes him a more of a known quality than someone who's 18. Yeah, um, it's I I I think. <clears throat> I think what they've done with scouting over the past few years, as far as broadening to more than the OHL and the WHL, is really starting to pay off when you see sort of a hidden gem like this. You know, a guy who's been in the USHL for a couple of years, finally goes to college. You know, they probably wouldn't have had a, a book on this kid a couple of years ago, but now that they've got scouts watching the USHL more, um, you know they're they're able to to consider a guy like this, and that's that's a hopeful sign. Yeah, I'm just looking at his uh, season by season numbers, and honestly, he's been a point a game or more every season that he's played, except for his first year with the Fargo Force in the USHL. Yeah, that's and then it was 40 in 53 games. So I mean, he's he's produ- he's produced. He he scores stuff. Yeah, he's he's a scorer. Um, just a little bit smaller. Let's, let's say that the questions are a little bit about his skating and definitely about his defense. Yeah. Go work on it, kid. Yeah. And finally, in the seventh round, the Avalanche take their third defenseman of the draft. Uh, the, the captain of uh, Casey Middlestat's high school team, Nick Lieberman, a defenseman from Eden Prairie High School, Minnesota. So that means he's secretly better than Casey Middlestat? That means he's secretly yeah. better because he's the captain and he's on his way to the Pentington V's himself. Like, I just, 
accidentally made a joke about. <laughs> More V's, please. Yeah, head, heading yeah. off to uh, the Tyson Jost development route, apparently. And then he's going to go to Notre Dame in 2018. Yeah, we, hmm. we could have three guys on Notre Dame that year. Which would be interesting. So, um, people don't generally know a whole lot about guys who are taking the slate in the draft, so we'll just have a look at what uh, BSN Avalanche gave us from the Black Book, which is that he's a terrific skating defenseman that likes to join or lead the rush up ice, but needs to improve his judgment. He, <laughs> That's he what I've heard. He can run the power play extremely well. Um, he's a strong, stocky build despite being a little undersized. He often holds his own in one-on-one -on -one battles. Scouts seem to be either really high or really low on him, one or the other. Yeah, I've heard you know, he's, he's an amazing skater and maybe just a, a little too aggressive with rushing. Well, you're getting winded to death here. Oh, not by me, me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I tried uh, the outdoor rally girl a couple weeks ago. <laughs> Earl's outdoors usually in the summer. Yep. Well, the birds are quiet today because it's overcast. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, again, for a seventh round pick, um, you know, this is, I, I think it's a, a good route for this guy to go. Um, sure. I mean, let's be clear here. Seventh round picks are flawed or else they wouldn't <laughs> be seventh round picks. So uh, if your flaws are, you know, something that you can improve, then... I'll, I'll take the scoring that's already there. I'll, I'll take the skill. Uh, if some judgment needs to be improved, then, uh, you know, let's see a player mature, get older, and make better judgment. Yeah, he's he played a few games in the USHL over the past couple of years, which is a very defensive league, which sounds like that's probably not his bag. But he'll go to Penticton, which is probably the one of the, the best franchises in the BCHL, learn to apply his trade, and then go to Notre Dame, which will be another very defensive experience. <laughs> very grindy and uh you know after two or three years there we'll know what we have um you know i i, I like the skating aspect if if he can turn into you know another smooth skating puck moving defenseman i'm all for it well um that's the avalanche draft Kale mccarr connor timmons nick henry peter kavaki Igor Spiriov, did a smirnoff and nick lieberman so Tell me uh, how how you're feeling about this uh, this group in general. I think it's for me personally, it's my favorite class in a little while. God, I'd love to see it that way. I mean, uh, what is 2013's probably our last favorite draft class? Maybe. Maybe. 20, 2015 for me. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah. I mean, it's got a ton of high end potential and. Uh, that makes me interested in following along, so I'm happy for it. Yeah, I mean it's it's a real departure from how they've they've scouted and drafted in the in the past. There's uh, no Coke machines. Yeah, you know, there's no Josh Anderson. Sorry, Josh, but no Ben Storms. No Ben Storms. <laughs> you know, it's it seems like that they really started valuing skill like they should have been over the past few years. Right. So, Somebody's got Sackick's ear right now that is feeding them some different information. Well, I, I, I just think bringing in analytics to the mix, um, you know, bringing in some new scouts over the past few years, bringing in scouts that are in 
specializing in different areas uh, is really opening up a lot more uh, possibilities for, for what they're looking at. Um, I think just evaluating their own system and seeing which players are succeeding within it is also informing some of these decisions. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I think they're seeing, you know, a, very little success with, with grinders, um, very little use for grinders. I mean, it, you know, I, I, I like grinders. I think you need some in your system, but you don't need a lot because they're the very easiest thing to find on the open market. Um, so, you know, trying to hit a home run with a couple of these higher round scoring picks, you know, it, it only makes sense because if one of those guys out of the, the fourth, um, fourth, fifth, and sixth rounds as far as the scores go, if one of those guys ends up being a productive player in the NHL for you, you know, they're, they're going to score a lot and you're going to hit a home run. Yep. Whereas if you pick three grinders there, even if you hit two of them, what are they going to do for you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, overall, uh, you know, we can't evaluate this draft class yet. I think we're allowed to be intrigued by it and probably should be. Um, but if three of these guys make it to the NHL, that's a killer draft class. Yeah. So we'll keep it in perspective. Yeah, and I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm looking at it as like the way that they seem to be drafting, what their philosophy seems to be, and what their aims seem to be. Like I, I really feel like they've gone for uh, BPA, best player available, as much as possible early. Um, and I mm-hmm. think that later on they've gone for guys who have a higher ceiling. Um, obviously, I don't know how true that is of Peter Kvacha. Um, who seems to be this year's Roman Will Max Pipot kind of guy, but uh, apart from that, we've got a lot of h- potentially risky but high ceiling picks that I am good with. That's how smart yeah. teams have been drafting lately, and I like it. You can pick up your yeah. grinders for uh, eight hundred thousand dollars on August second, UFA. Yeah, I can't recall a draft in which the Avalanche drafted so few centers. Yeah. I mean, that, that to me is kind of the story of the draft. Yeah, the only one I mean, that to more. me indicates, right? I mean, that to me is the one, sea right? change right there. Yeah. Henry's um, a right wing, Smirnoff's a left wing, and good old Igor is a defenseman. defenseman. They, they pretty much drafted a, a full uh, line plus one. They drafted a center, left wing, right wing, t- 3D, and a goalie. <laughs> yep. But, I mean, it's nice to see something. I mean, Igor is that kind of guy that, you know, say someone had picked him like three or four spots uh, behind the avalanche at that spot. You'd be like, you know, why didn't we do that? Hmm. And there was always a guy like that in the past couple of years where you're just looking like, yeah, we took this dude. And then, this, you know, the this other team took this highly skilled guy they're taking a flyer on behind us. You know, why not draft like that? And then now they are. So it's... I'm really so glad they did that. Yeah, um, I mean, this, this I haven't been able to follow along that closely, but there's just so much chatter on the internet from other fans of other teams that wish their team had made that move. This is the kind of move where three years later he comes out of nowhere, wins the Calder, and your team is going, man, two spots before that, we picked Dennis Vending Machine from the OHL. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this guy's got Tarasenko or Panarin written all over him. Yep. And the Avs should have some cap room in a couple of years. So, you know, let it rip. Make it happen. <laughs> well, but speaking overall, of, uh, no, you, you can, I don't think you've summed up yet. Go ahead and sum up and we'll move. I just say, I'd say overall, I'd, I'd, I'm impressed with what they did 
whether you know whether they all work out or not is it's not important. It's just it's just, it's showing they're taking the first step to trying to improve the franchise's problems. You know, which they can't seem to do by trading or any other means. But <laughs> different you know, topic. At least one part of the organization is sort of on board with getting some skill in the game. Yeah, I have I have not been disappointed in the drafts for the past three years, and uh, I like the direction their drafting is headed. And I like this draft a lot. I see. I didn't like last year's draft. The, the more I think about last year's draft, the more I don't like it. But mm-hmm. they bounced back nicely from it. I think. Mm-hmm. Well, the one thing that didn't happen at the draft for the Avalanche is uh, the other big elephant in the room. That's Matt Duchesne. He's uh, he, he's still on the roster. Thoughts? What's up? Uh, the Avalanche were so bad last year. We've got teams undervaluing him. I don't buy that. I I think I I just I don't buy that argument. It's just it's too easy to say that. It's too easy to let you off the hook. Uh, I mean, the, the the kind of offers that you hear whispered around don't seem out of line for, you know, a guy that's at that age that has this amount of production over his career. You know, I, I, I'm not seeing, you know, sort of lowball offers. Um, <laughs> Hamannick for I, Duchesne. I don't think, <laughs> I don't from think, the Isles was never going to happen. Yeah, I don't, I don't think Sackick is realistic in his expectations for, for whatever he wants to get. I mean, it, you know, I've said for a while, this is either going to be a hockey trade straight up for a guy that's, a, you know, a National Hockey League defenseman, or it's going to be a futures deal. You know, you, you can't get that National Hockey League defenseman plus a prospect plus a first-round pick. I mean, that's just, you know, you're not going to pay that for anybody. But that is the quote-unquote rumored asking price for everyone like Matt Duchesne. That's where you start the negotiation. But seems to be not happening is the negotiation part. Yeah. Because you start by asking for that, and the other GM hangs up the phone. And then calls it's again not- the next day and says, well, what about this? It's not even you, – you don't ask for that. Like – I mean, when you're trading somebody, you don't say, hey, I got Matt Duchesne. What are you going to give me for him, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, you call up and say, like, hi, I, you know, I think I'd like this defenseman that's on your roster. Is, is there a deal to be made here? And, you know, you, you try to weave Matt Duchesne into it. And it's like if you're if you're just calling people up like, you know, hey, you're going to give me a first a big prospect and an NHL defenseman for Matt Duchesne? Oh, no? Okay, bye. I'll call the next guy. I mean, that's just bothering people. Yeah, something's awry. I mean, uh, one element you know we should be considering increasingly is that Sackick secretly wants Duchesne on his team, <laughs> and uh, he's hesitant to get rid of him because he believes in him. Yeah, he wants to return to blow his head off. I think. Well, I mean, then why then why is he you know marketing him the way he is? I mean, it's just nothing about this makes sense. The I don't know. I, I think we might see a change in the PR operation here you know in the next month if something can't get done uh, we're going to see like oh we never wanted to trade him in the first place it's going to start happening well, i mean the fact that duchene's agent is looks like he's starting to get actively involved in trying to get duchene to another team i mean that's sort of a sign that you know look you can't just sit on this guy he doesn't want to come back you know you, you burn the bridge already he doesn't want to be on your team you know get a trade done 
Yeah, it's just disappointing. Uh, it's actually probably most disappointing for fans who've been dangling on a wire for how long has it been? You know, almost six, seven years. months now. Uh, it's been almost two years. I mean, two years ago when he had the bad start, that's when the the first trade rumors started. Right. So, I mean, it's just it, it's been too long. You, you can't just play with a guy like this and expect him to be happy, happy, joy, joy about being on the team anymore. Yeah, yeah, especially when half the... You're gonna, right. Every year it's going to be old. We're going to trade him, and then they don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but when half the fans in your stands are wearing a number nine jersey, uh, you just can't dangle that player on the trade market for this long. Right. Uh, I just think it's crippling for... You know? Right. If you got to do it, people will eventually understand. You know, Nuggets got rid of Carmelo Anthony. Everybody understood because the team immediately got better afterwards and <laughs> you moved on. Um, that would be the same thing with Matt Duchesne as much as we love Matt Duchesne. Um, you just can't do it for two straight years. You're right. I just liken him to, uh, to kind of to Phil Kessel at this point with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Not that he's as good as Kessel because he's not. Um, they're, they're different players for one thing. But he's like, you know, the best-ish player, probably the best player on a team that's not good and not going to be good while he still has value. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he's only going to be here for two more years. I, I mean, there's no way he's ever going to sign an extension with the Avalanche at this point. I mean, that's something... Unless they completely turn around and get to the Stanley Cup Finals next year. I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, the conditions that would have to present themselves are, are beyond the imaginable. Yeah. Right. So, this team would have to be immediately competitive starting next season, yeah, and that's probably not the plan. <clears throat> I'm just afraid that I mean, they're going to end up doing what Calgary did with Jerome McGinley and just waiting way too long and then getting very little in return. Yep. Um, gentlemen, I'm probably running up against my threshold here, um, so if we're moving on to a different topic, I'll let you guys have it yourselves. All right, yeah, we're going to take a break here in just a second. I just wanted to throw out um, AJ's tweet from today from a conversation we were having. Well, he was having yeah. it, kind of jumped in the last second. Um, that a possible package from Nashville included their 2016 picks, Dante Fabro, who you may remember from World Junior, who's now with Penticton, and uh, Samuel Gerard, currently of Shawinigan, as in both of them. Fabro's at BU. Hmm? Fabro's at BU. He was he was in Penticton then with Jost. They're buds. Has he finally mm. moved, has he gone on to the NCAA now then? Yeah, he was there last year. Okay. Oh well, well there you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's he's a good player. We, I mean, we we could do we could do worse. That's not a bad baseline <laughs> for a package. Not at all. No. It, if you're gonna move on, it's it's you know I, I don't think it's settling. I'd love to see futures involved. Yeah, I mean, the, the boat kind of sailed a couple of days ago for draft picks being relevant, right? <laughs> right. It'd be nice yeah. to get one for next year, of course, but, I mean, you know, it would have been really nice to have another one this year, too. Sure. sure. If you give me that package and throw in a second rounder or something, you know, I'm all of a sudden intrigued. Sure. Yeah. All right, and you enjoy yourself. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to talk about the future. All right. Well, gentlemen, I enjoyed it. Look forward to hearing the rest. How about Super Day, Ryan? <laughs> Later, dudes. <laughs>
back to the Mile High Hockey Podcast. I'm Steph, he's Earl, Brian is gone, off doing Ryan things. Um, so let's rewind time to last week. Colorado Avalanche listened to all the screaming voices and buy out Francois Beauchemin. Not too much to say there. Needed to happen and it did happen. <laughs> Many of us were high on the freight train shortly after the signing with some fear of that third year looming and we knew a downturn would come. We didn't know how quickly... And, uh, and then that no move would have required the Avs to protect him in the expansion draft, forcing the exposure of Barry or Zdorov, or forcing the Avs to go eight skaters and expose Andrew Ghetto or Nieto. So, speaking of which, Colorado were then able to go seven forwards, three defenders, and the protected list was Nathan McKinnon, Gabe Landeskog, Matt Duchesne, uh, Sven Andrew Ghetto, Matt Nieto, uh, Blake uh, Como, and Rocco Grimaldi. On defense, Eric Johnson, Tyson Berry, and Nikita Zadorov, no surprises, and Varlamov obviously protected in that. Did anything jump out at you about uh, about these picks? Um, I thought it was interesting that they protected Grimaldi and Nieto. I mean, I, you know, I know they, they it's pretty obvious that, that both Joe and, and Bednar like Nieto a lot, but he's an RFA and he was a waiver claim, and, and you know, he's not sort of your prototypical guy that you'd protect. And... Grimaldi, it's it's tough to say whether, you know, you, you sort of see the Avs liking him enough to keep him around long term. Let's say, um, and he he would also be the kind of guy that it, I think if you dangled in front of Vegas, you know, he'd be kind of tempting if you're trying to sort of use that as protection for other guys that you couldn't protect, like Calvin. <laughs> um, so I, you know, I thought that was interesting. It's it's sort of a you know, it, it's nice for Grimaldi. I, I think that for all his flaws, I think he's someone that can help the Avs on, on offense, at least this year. So, you know, I, I'd, I'd kind of rather have a guy like that in the lineup uh, rather than a, another grinder um, or another Rennie Bork type. So <laughs> if, if having Rocco on the roster sort of prevents <clears throat> a, a Rennie Bork type signing, then, in, you know, I, I think that's a... A good deal. Yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, Blake Como is annoying, but these are to wonder if they're going to protect seven forwards. Who's the seventh then? It. I think what the, I mean, honestly, what I think they did is I think they basically protected everybody who was under contract and then filled the rest with UFA or with RFAs that they liked. You know, obviously Zadora would be a number one to protect, and then Andrew Ghetto probably right after that, and then. Um, Nieto and, and Grimaldi were sort of like, well, we got two more spots. Let's take these guys. Yeah, they didn't have that many NHL players to expose. I mean, they had Grigorenko, they had Colborn, they had Soderberg, they had Barbario. Um, they got a bunch of expiring UFAs. Yeah, I mean, they had to pretty much uh, expose two out of Colborn, Soderberg, and Como. And I guess Blake is the lucky one. Um, yeah, you know, I, I don't, I don't know what the thinking was behind that. As as far as you know, picking which guy they protect out of those three, it's interesting. I'd say if you were going to get value for someone at, at the deadline, if you're actually inclined to trade people and get things back for them at some point, which we're not sure that, that that's something we could do. It may not be uh, a priority at all. Yeah, um, but but you would think that that Como would probably be. You know, someone that you could probably flip at the deadline, or 
you know, he might have been one of the more desirable players from Vegas, which a lot of people scoff at. But you look at what, who they took, and it's it's not as far fetched now. Yeah, we'll we'll do that shortly. Um, but I'm I'm still a little bit salty that Como wasn't turned into whatever round pick you could get for him at last year's trade deadline. So now they're protected. Yeah. I'm like, did, okay, <laughs> what? Yeah, I mean, I you know, there's there's probably dynamics off the ice that that went into that that, that maybe we're not privy to, so, maybe so that that could play into it. Um, you know, it's obvious they're not high on Colborn or or Carl. Um, so Carl was protected by his contract. Let's be real. You know, I I could have seen them. I could have seen Vegas taking him honestly. Um, beforehand now that i see what their roster looks like yeah it's it wasn't gonna happen but um you know it, <clears throat> if you're building a team from scratch i mean there, there are worse choices than carl soderberg let's say yeah well there's also better ones like calvin pickard for example exactly i do want to talk about why colorado didn't protect barbario uh because we chatted at length about whether to protect him last time, and it turned out they kind of couldn't if Boschman didn't waive his no-move clause. Um, and I didn't yeah. understand this at the time because it's extremely confusing. Uh, the player exposure requirements include, and I copy-pasted this to get the exact wording, one defenseman who is A, under contract in 2017-18, and B, played in 40 or more NHL games the prior season, or 70 or more NHL games in the prior two seasons. The Avalanche yeah. didn't re-sign Tootin, or Weirkosh, or Golubev for that matter, but I don't think he meets the game's played requirement. So Barbaria was kind of the only defenseman they could expose without exposing Barry or Zadorov. Well, I mean, they could have signed Weirkosh, or uh, I, I think Golubev actually made it barely, but I'm not I'm not 100% sure. It, he was on track for it at one point. Yeah, he didn't play 40 last year. It's going to be based on how much he played the year before. Yeah. Um, but... I can, you know, I can see being shy about resigning one of those guys if you really don't want them. Making a year commitment to protect one guy who's, you know, yeah, he looked great last year at the end of the year, but you know, he's really, you know, he's a waiver pickup and he's not really that good. So, you know, taking on a year contract that you really don't want just to do that might not made of, you know, a lot of sense to them. Right. Like, would you rather extend? a guy like Tootin or Weirkosh and not lose Barbario or maybe lose Barbario. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, and, and if you protect Barbario, then you're exposing Nieto and Grimaldi or, or some combination of, you know, two out, two out of the forwards that were protected. Would not be. Three out of yeah. them. three of them because you could yeah, yeah they protected seven forwards so you wouldn't there would be no Rocco there would be no Como it would be between Andrew Ghetto and Nieto yeah and that's Andrew Ghetto all the way yeah um, so I, I mean you know there's logic all around it would it it really would have put the Abs in a pickle if they had lost Barbario because the you know they've got nothing on the left side mm-hmm. yeah they're they're really I mean they've got a lot of right side D's. You know, even though, you know, people say like, oh, Lindholm and Marinov are left-handed. And, you know, it's like I've seen Lindholm play on both sides. He's definitely a lot better on the right. And, you know, I don't don't think Marinov's going to be in the lineup 
uh, right off the bat. No, Miranoff is going straight to the imaginary awesomeness caucus. Yeah, I mean, he, you know, I don't think he's going to, I mean, he should go to the AHL. I can understand why he wouldn't want to. So he's going to be that seventh, eighth guy and, and get spot duty until he, you know, sort of gets accustomed to the to smaller ice in the North American game. And, you know, then we'll go from there. <clears throat> but he, he also, you know, I, I never saw him on, I, I saw him on the left side, maybe one shift out of 10 at Worlds. So, I mean, he, he, I, I'm sure he would prefer that. And if you're bringing a guy into a new situation like that, maybe trying to switch his side right off the bat isn't the best way to, to go. You know, that it, once he gets comfortable, gets a year under his belt, maybe next year he'd say, like, all right, dude, we need you on the left side. Yeah. Well, ultimately, um, I, I don't think losing Pickard was the worst case scenario for Colorado. It's not great, though. No, it's not great. Um, it's, you know, I mean, obviously the best thing would be if they took Gregorenko. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's Why didn't they take Gregorenko? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that would have been nice, but no such luck. So we're going to have to replace Pickard somehow, whether that's through Spencer Martin or no. through free agency or a trade. Yeah. So I thought we'd have a look at what goaltenders are going to be available in free agency real quick. We'll return to free agency later, but let's have a look at the goalies right now. Ryan Miller is available. Sort of, yeah. Jonathan but... Bernier. Jonathan Bernier. And you got Steve Mason. And Andre Pavlitz. Thanks. Uh, Brian Elliott. <laughs> uh... Chad Johnson. <laughs> Darcy Camper. What else? Anders Nilsson. Matt O'Connor. McBackup himself, Curtis McElhinney. <laughs> He's not retired? <laughs> He's only 34. And? <laughs> He's two years younger than Ryan Miller. <laughs> You're forgetting Mike Condon. Uh, I'm just reading this off a list from Cat Friendly, and I didn't see any Mike Condon on it. It's just the top 100 UFAs, and I didn't like filter for position or anything. I don't know if you can. I did, Mike Condon is my choice because he's cheap and he's fairly competent. I mean, he he played fairly well last year for Ottawa when they needed him to. Mm-hmm. Jonas Ross, Sam Britton... Keith Kincaid, Michael Layton, J.F. Barube, probably not so much. Jeremy Smith, Justin Peters, Matt Hackett, who may be done. Matt Cruz, Mike McKenna, there's Mike Condon. Joe Canada. Uh, no. <laughs> and Edward <laughs> Pasquale and Lars Johansson. So, yeah, Mike, uh, Mike Condon was... Uh, a 9-14 goalie for Ottawa this year. Won 19 games. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know if that's going to make him desirable enough that he's not going to, that, that the Avalanche can't get him. You know, I think the Avalanche are going to have a really hard time convincing a goalie to come. Uh, I think the best 
way that they're going to find a, a goalie to be a backup is, is going to be something selling our new goalie coach, which yeah. we believe to be Yossi Parkela. Um, but I, you know, I, I think that's going to be the selling point because if you're selling like, Hey, you know, it's like, who's, who loses <clears throat> or who only gets 48 points two years in a row? Come on, you know, <laughs> gotta be okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. it's, it's, it's really tough sell to get guys to come to Colorado, any kind of free agent, but a, a goalie, especially, um, the, uh, According to Cap Friendly, the highest save percentage available is actually Anders Nilsson. Yeah, but I think he's going to be fairly in demand. He may be. He, his salary yeah. last year was just a mil. Yep. Now he's definitely desirable, but I just, I, you know, I, I'd say he's probably on everyone's top three or top five goalies. Um, you know, it's tough, and it's it, like. Bernier, I you know I, I wouldn't mind Bernier because you know he could start if, if something happens to Varley, but it's just you know what kind of pay cut is he willing to take from four million? Yeah, it's going to depend on what he wants his contract to look like. Yeah, I, I mean I think he wants to be a starter, and I don't think he wants to take a one year deal. Right. Um, but who knows if someone's going to offer him something for multi years? Right, and it's the, kind of the same situation for Brian Elliott, I think. Yeah, and I don't think he'd sign with the Avs with a gun to his head. So that leaves uh, guys like... Uh, so if, if Nilsson's available, it leaves guys like Keith Kincaid, Mike Condon. You know, Chad. if Chad Johnson was willing to, to sign with the Avs for a year, that's, you know, I wouldn't mind that. Because we need uh, some kind of stopgap because Spencer Martin is probably not going to be ready next year. I, yeah, I'd say almost definitely he won't be ready. He, he still I mean, needs he to cook. Yeah, well, it's just you don't want to throw him in that situation. It's fine if you give him a couple starts here and there. In fact, I think they, ha- you know, they almost have to do that. But, um, you know, the guy that backs up Varley, I mean, this he could have a, you know, if if whatever they did do is groin, as far as the surgery goes, if, if that goes out the window in in late October, you know, you you need a starter. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't just need a backup. So. You know, that's why I think they, they might have to end up paying a premium and get somebody who's sort of a quasi-starter. Um, and, and what what Condon did while Andy was injured last year, sort of, you know, that, that makes you feel like he could handle it if he had to. Yeah. And same with Chad Johnson. So there's a few names out there in UFA that the Avalanche may be able to target to replace Calvin Pickard. I think that they have to get one of them on July 1. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's basically the only thing they have. They they, they really need. Um, I think anything else you can sort of uh, go into camp with what they've got and and pick up guys on the waiver wire to fill out where needed. Mm-hmm. But they they can't they can't roll into camp with one goalie. You know, that's just that's just silly. Right. So, um, you know that that's that should be the one and only focus and should be signed. At, 10.01 a.m. or 12.01 a.m. or 12.01 p.m., whatever it is. Yeah, and and failing that, you've got to trade for somebody quickly. Yeah, I mean, that's the other option. I mean, it would have been nice if Joe could have put together something for, you know, like Pesci and, and Eddie Lack or something like that for Duchesne. Um, yeah, I mean, Eddie's not that great, but, you know, I, I you know, that would fill a need and it wouldn't be that expensive in the scheme of what you're getting back for Duchesne. 
So, just some options. As far as using other assets to trade for a goalie, you know, not just no, but hell no. Um, right. <laughs> That's, that would yeah, be it, that's part of a package for another trade you're already going to make. Yeah, I mean, it's like if they trade a second or a third for a goalie, you know, one of next year's picks, obviously, you know, if they if they do that in the next couple of days or weeks, you know, that's that's just ah, it's just throwing themselves down the stairs again. I and mean, you just don't need to do that. Yeah, I'd be salty. Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, at, at that point, I'd, I'd be willing to, I don't know what I'd be willing to do. But it's just that you can't expend to do that. You know, I, I mean, they, they should be. You know, I, I mean, Como has some value. You know, he's he's still gonna he's still only got one year left on his deal. I'd see what you, you know, what kind of goalie you could get for Blake Como. Yeah. Um, you know, something like that. But it just don't trade picks. Don't don't trade young players. Yeah. So um, as we continue looking to the future. Um, the piping is gone. Yeah. Death to piping. So, the New Jerseys, do you like them or do you love them? I love the roads. I I wish they would flip-flop the the burgundy and the blue on the homes, but they still look pretty sharp. But the the road jerseys, man, those are sweet. Yeah, I'm a big fan of both. The only thing I don't like about either of them is is the little blue collar all around only the back of the road? Yeah, I, I, I don't know what the thinking is behind that. It's it's kind of weird and out of place. I'm sure I'll get used to it, but it's it just sort of looks like a piece of tape someone put up there. <laughs> someone slapped some painter's tape on it at one point and forgot to take yeah, it off before the picture. Exactly. <laughs> I was spraying the collar. They taped it off. I mean, it. <clears throat> but it's you know it's great to see no piping. I, you know, I, I really like what they they did. It's it's. It's not as generic as some of the other ones I've seen around, like Nashville. Um, so I, I'm a big fan. I, I like what they've done. I, you know, I, I could deal with having this around for. Was it the Uniprons were around for what ten years? Something like that. Oh. <laughs> and uh, I, I would go so far as to say that the Colorado Avalanche got the biggest upgrade of the league. And I include Vegas going from no jersey to whatever they have. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I, I think we're down to the point where the Unipron was the only jersey that hadn't changed from day one of, of the Reebok redesign. I just and don't understand how you pick gray as your home color. What are you doing? Yeah, that was interesting. I mean, and... <clears throat> I, I don't know how it's going to work out. Like San Antonio has a gray uniform with black numbers, and it's a, just damn near impossible to tell who is who on the ice. <laughs> um, you know, it's just that's just not a contrast that 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 works. You know, it's it, red and black is kind of like that too. Um, you know, it's it's it's, a, it's an interesting color combo, but I think their home their home uniforms look fabulous as well, or their aways the whites. I haven't seen those. They're, I think their homes would they would look decent. Like they kind of look like an arena football sweater to me. But if it wasn't gray, it would look a lot better. The color palette really of, kills it. I, I think I think these are very minimalist jerseys in general. You know, and except for the the original six, which are the same as always. Yeah, and I don't mind that. I, that's that's kind of my yeah. style. Honestly, I'm good with it. The ones that I don't like are the ones that go away from the minimalist and are just kind of a mess. Hi, Minnesota. 
Yeah, like Minnesota's is the worst. Oh my god. <laughs> you keep that trash ass logo that only designers like. You have a center stripe that is only on the front of the jersey. You have a red armband on the upper arm for some reason. I can't think of any negative connotations for that. I mean, what are you doing? Yeah. Um, Calgary's also stood out as kind of bad, too, because they, they had some of the same design cues that the Minnesota had. Um, well, people's yeah. biggest problem, I think, with Calgary's is that they kept the Black Sea, which I don't have much of a problem with. It's so just, again, it, red, red and black it. don't go well together. Um, you know, unless you're a high school football team. Or the Chicago uh, Bulls. <laughs> well, at least the, the, the Bulls had enough piping so that you can, you can see the numbers. <laughs> Pinstripe-ass jerseys they used to wear. <laughs> yep. So, um, but yeah, the, the big winners from the jerseys are easily the Avalanche, and the big losers are easily the Wild. Yep. LOL. Yeah, but it's, you know, it's fun to see. I think I, I can't wait to see, you know, going through the league next year, all the different jerseys on the ice. Because um, I, I think when you just have like some kid walking around in one or, you know, just a a, a mannequin or something like that, it, it's it's not going to give the full presentation until you see it in action. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Um, and And most jerseys didn't change that much. Yeah. Um, and, you know, again, I, I think Nashville had quite a downgrade. I, I really don't like their uniforms, but, um, you know, they, they tried to keep it clean mm-hmm. and, and did what they could do to make it interesting. Yeah, it ended up looking like something from 100 years ago, but oh well. Yeah, looks like a practice jersey. <laughs> Nashville had a piping that worked because it was like that kind of acoustic guitar shape. Yeah, and that works for Nashville really well. I was that was cool. That what this may or may not be a popular opinion, but I think what Nashville needs is also a new logo. Yeah, there's this kind of high school too. It's very um, very nineties that gigantic teeth thing. Yeah, and it just you, you kind of wonder where, how the saber tooth cat sort of relates to Nashville. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, I've I've been to Nashville a few times. I've never seen a saber tooth cat. <laughs> Not even in captivity. So, oh, but we'll see. Um, but there's nothing wrong with the yellow, and Vegas could have very easily gone gold. It's in their name. Yeah. I, I'm sure they're, I bet their thirds will be pretty interesting when they come out to one or two years or however, however long it takes for us to get thirds back. I wouldn't be surprised if Vegas were the first team to get a third jersey. Honestly. They could go gray with like a, a glitter gold logo. How about that? It's still gray. <laughs> it's going to be either either Vegas will get the third first or Toronto because that's going to get bought like crazy. Do the, do the Leafs have a third jersey now? Uh, yeah, they have alternate jerseys. I think so. It's just not a whole lot different from – I mean, you don't, yeah, I you don't mess with that too much. I was going to say, I mean, the, the original six teams, I'm trying to think, like, I don't think the Habs have one. They, they wear, like, throwback jerseys once in a while. but mm-hmm. And the, the Rangers sometimes have the stupid Statue of Liberty logo. That, <clears throat> that logo's not bad. I don't mind it. I just hate the Rangers. Anything they do is awful. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> I can support that. Except I do generally like their jerseys. I think they're pretty. They're pretty not bad. I know. If it weren't the New York Rangers, I'd love their jerseys. <laughs> so, but looking at the future doesn't just mean the future of fashion. We also mean future opponents. So let's look at the Vegas roster. Um, you said you may have had some interesting takes on some decisions they made. So let's let's get into that. Well, something I saw in an interview with George McPhee at the end of the draft, and <clears throat> he ended up drafting the the Mets on defenseman. Um, and and I, I think. I think the thinking there was that he was going to be able to deal them for additional draft picks before the draft or, or even perhaps now, but now he's sort of in this situation where he still has a lot of these guys and he can't keep them all because a, they're too expensive and B you can't send them down without having people take them for nothing. So, um, you know, I think that kind of flopped on him. I, I think he took too many defensemen, where people weren't really, I mean, they, you know, people want defensemen always, but they're not exactly just dying to pay up for them. So I, I think he's kind of going to be dealing with that for the rest of the summer, trying to get down to, you know, eight realistic NHL defensemen. Yeah, let's look at the defensemen that they have right now. We've got uh, Jake Bischoff, who is, which is not a name I'm familiar with. There must have been someone that was like a prospect that was part of a trade or something. We've got Alexi Emlin. Uh, you've got Derek England, who uh, originally we kind of thought, because that's an expiring UFA, so originally a lot of us thought, oh, maybe that's just their pass on Calgary's roster, but no, they signed him. Yeah. Uh, Jason good. Garrison, Braden McNabb, who I think they traded for. Is that right? Um, I don't know. No, he was their, he was their take. No, I'm confusing him with Braden Shen, who got traded. Yeah. Uh, John Merrill, Mark Mathot, Colin Miller, Griffin Reinhardt, Lucas Bietza, Nate Schmidt, Clayton Stoner, and Shea Theodore. I mean, that's a lot of names. Yeah, and you're looking through them, and you're sort of ticking off the ones that you're like, yeah, okay, you keep this guy. But there's, you know, it's like uh, Yemlin. I mean, come on. Why, you know, why would you want him? I mean, obviously they wanted England for some reason, um, which is dumb, but... I, I, I take it since they signed him, they're not planning on trading him. Um, you know, there's just there, there's a bunch of guys in there. You're like, you know, why are these guys on your roster? You know, it's like if they end up having to trade or, or get, you know, lose someone like Theodore, who I don't really like that much, but he's definitely worth something. Um, you know, that, that's not. That, I, I think that's just sort of an overestimation of the market, really. Or or Lucas Pizza, like. Yeah, what do you do with him? <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, it's like, they could be like, oh, yeah, look at a t- stupid team like the Avs. They'll take anybody, you know? <laughs> it's just like, well, the Avs aren't going to pay for someone like Lucas Pizza. Nope. But we, as much as we talk about how many defensemen they have, they've got just more forwards than most teams have roster players right now. Yeah. Between Pierre Edward Belmar and Connor Brickley, William Carrier, David Clarkson, which was their salary floor move. Yeah, I don't think he's going to play. <laughs> Reed Duke, Cody Eakin, Mikhail Grabowski, who I guess is going to be their 1C at this point. No, maybe they're, maybe they're 2C because they do have Shipyashoff. Yeah. Um, Nikita Gusev, Eric Halla, Thomas Heike. That's probably not how that's pronounced. He's Czech. 
William Carlson, Brandon Leipzig, Oscar Lindbergh, Jonathan Marchessault, James Neal, Thomas Nozick, David Perron, Timu Polkinen, and then Vadim Shishkov, Riley Smith, Chris Thorburn, and Alex Tuch, 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 Tuch? Tuch. Tuch, okay. Um, There's enough AHLers there that, you know, they're going to be able to send those guys down. Um, I think... Just like I don't know, someone like Polkinen. I mean, if you send him down and someone takes him, go well. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like he's been claimed on waivers, I think, two or three times already. Yeah, <laughs> that's how Arizona got him. Um, or maybe not. I think they, well, whatever. But there, you know, there are a bunch of guys in there that you could send down and not lose. So that works out. It it might not be enough to get down to fourteen or thirteen. But. Yeah, they still have. Excuse me, they still have quite a few guys to to get rid of. I mean, they're obviously they're going to be icing, you know, Grabowski and Shipachev and uh, James Neal, David Perron. Yeah. But apart from that, like there's apart from James Neal, there's not a lot of goals on this roster. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be kind of a gong show in their in their camp, but. I mean, I don't think you can wait for camp to get rid of everybody. I mean, I think they no. still need to make some trades, and <clears throat> you know, kind of trading season's over. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, there were a few trades during free agency last year, so maybe he's betting on that. And you know, he, he has to get rid of some of those D's there. Um, but it's just you know, if you've got like five or six guys to get rid of, you're like, oh yeah, five six guys, that can't be that hard. But yeah, it is because nobody trades anymore. <laughs> so, you know, putting yourself in a situation where you have to make five or six trades before the season starts, it's you know, that's kind of tough. Right. You, you you can definitely see they're just betting on more people wanting to make trades at at the at the draft. Yeah, I think that's probably true. And they still picked up quite a few draft picks as it was. Yeah, they had a. I mean, they had a really good draft. I mean, having three first rounders was awesome. Um, I think they had ten picks overall. So, you know, they they made the most of that situation. I think. Um, I think they have. I want to say they have eight. They have at least eight or nine for next year already. So, you know that that goal. Is kind of where you want it. You know, they'll probably get a few more, obviously, with, with who they're trying to trade away, even if they're high rounders. Right. Um, it's just you just have to question some of, like some of these decisions. Like they obviously went all in on trying to get as many tradable assets as possible, and then didn't trade very many of them. They obviously made some really questionable decisions between Spezza and England, and those kinds of decisions. I mean. Yeah, there were some I mean, people saying you know Vegas could be actually okay in one year, and no, that seems unlikely. Well, I don't think it's not in their best interest to be good. I mean, I really don't think. I mean, you could be the Avs and and you know have have a flash in the pan year, and it just sort of screws up your whole development. You know, I I, I really like the idea that like hey, let's go not let's not go nuts and and draft a really good team. And end up picking twelfth for the next couple of years. You know, the, keep your your top five first round pick. 
every year for two or three years. And, you know, that's, that's going to be the core of your team off in the distance. Yeah, well, I mean, that being said, even let's look at, uh, I just pulled up their, uh, their, their, their page on Cap Friendly, and Chris Thorburn is a UFA now. That may have been a pass pick. They may still sign him. Next year, they've got UFAs in James Neal, Mikhail Grabowski, David Perron, Jonathan Marchessault. One, two, three, four, five, six defensemen are going to be UFAs next summer. Yeah. I mean, this may have, I mean, you may be onto something with the, it's not in their interest to be good now. And yeah. they'll be in good shape to build a new team next summer. Yeah, I mean, you see all those UFAs. Like, the UFA D that they got, if, if the guys that, that will that are Ds that will be UFAs next summer, that's obviously, oh, we'll, we'll draft this guy and we'll keep him on the roster for a year and then we'll flip him at the deadline because, yeah. you know, that's, that's how Toronto did it. Yeah, it's Garrison, Emblem, Spisa, Stoner, McNabb, and, yeah. uh, and then now Derek England, who they signed for some reason. I know it's like, it's like if they signed Thorburn too. You're kind of like, what are they going to fight each other in practice every day just for <laughs> entertainment? <laughs> Probably so. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it it it'll, it'll be interesting to see over the next few weeks how they sort of generate interest. I mean, if they end up trading a few of those guys for like fifths or sixths or something like that, I, I you know, it's better than nothing. Yeah. But I just I I kind of question how they went about with the goalies. Like, you know, Pickard and 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 Fleury are are pretty good tandem. But I, they had better options than Pickard at goalie. They did. Um. So it's just I don't I'm not not quite sure why they went that way. We'll see how it turns out. I mean, maybe GM GM has a plan. Maybe he doesn't. Yeah. So should we turn to free agency now? Sure. I think we're in the home stretch of this just marathon of an episode. Shout out to anybody who's hearing these words. <laughs> Shout out. So let's let's have a look at who's available this summer. Number one in terms of points is Joe Thornton. No. <laughs> do you, I mean? Do you think Thornton and Marlowe have any? You know, what what do you think their chances are of staying in San Jose? I I would call it possible. Yeah, I mean, you, you think the Sharks are really ready to move on from both those guys? I'm, I don't know if I would call it probable that they, that they would yeah. leave San Jose, but I would call it possible, kind of 50-50. I mean, it sounds like it sounds like Thornton really likes it there. I don't, you know, it doesn't sound like he has much motivation to leave unless they absolutely just won't sign him. Right. <clears throat> but I mean, that that's a guy that's despite being thirty-seven is still very good. Yeah. Um. You know, I, I, I've always loved Marlowe's game. Yeah, same. They're, you don't want to give either of them more than one year at this point, but... Yeah. That's uh, worth looking at. Yeah, I mean, if the Avs were in a different level, I, I'd say, you know, I, I'd love to have Marlowe on the team for sure. Oh, yeah, if you're one... If you're looking for, like, one more scorer, or if you're a young team looking for a little bit of direction, you could do much worse than, than Joe Thornton or Patrick Marlowe. Yeah, I mean, it's like if you need a score and you're kind of weighing between Marlowe and Rattleoff, I mean, it's like Marlowe makes a ton more sense. Um, you know, it's like I, I saw something like Rattleoff wanted six years at seven million or something like that. And you're just like, no. 
Six years. Seven million. You were forty-two million dollars for a thirty-one-year-old player. I don't think so, bud. He made five seven five for his, for his one year with Montreal. He scored fifty-four points, thirty-six assists, fifty-four points. Yeah, you know. Didn't score that's... twenty goals, which I think, I think if if you had told me that Radulov was going to have fifty-four points but not twenty goals, I'd have been surprised. Yeah. Um. But it's like you know you compare to what you know you will get from Marlowe and. You know, even if they're both one-year deals, I mean, Marlo, like, I don't know, he might physically break down, but it's like if he's healthy and doing what he's done for the past 20 years, you know exactly what you're going to get from him. It's, yeah. it's not like bringing some kind of unknown into the locker room. Yeah, and he played 82 games last year. Yeah. Um, so it's like I, just, I don't think Rattleoff's market can start can really be set until guys like that go away. Right. Okay. And then we talked about Ryan Miller already. It's not an option for Colorado. I'm curious to see who it'll be an option for. I mean, I I, I heard the Canucks were perhaps thinking of keeping him around. I, I don't I don't know why he. I mean, I think they're going with the I forget his name, the Swedish guy, um, as their starter. But I maybe. can't help you there. Yeah, but. <clears throat> I, I, I don't know if there's going to be a lot of demand for him around the league. Right. Oh, I mean, he was down to a 914 save percentage this year. He's pretty much middle of the road now. And coming off a $6 million cap hit, he's taken a cut and a half. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Sounds like a good candidate for Buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you could go home again. <laughs> Patrick Sharp had 18 points in 48 games this last season with Dallas. That's uh, another one I would stay clear of personally. Yeah, that's a hard pass. Andre Markov, who continues to be decent despite being 90 years old. I think the Habs are about to sign him to a two-year deal. They probably will. Yeah. Um, Dan Girardi. No thanks. At, uh, his team is listed as NHL, which is funny. <laughs> he just got bought out. Much like Francois Boschman, whose team is also listed as NHL. Those should just be dollar signs when they've been bought out. <laughs> um, Jerome McGinley wants to play. Yeah. He's, he's, he's working out. He's getting ready for it. I don't know. What, what's a good team for Iggy next year? What, what kind of team could use what he can bring on a nightly basis? Mm. <laughs> A really slow team <laughs> that has plenty of other guys that can play really well. Um, <laughs> he can go back to Boston. He can go back to Boston. That's I. I, I think that's ultimately where he might end up. So there's, there's a lot of older guys in this year's UFA class. Adam Verbata is up there. He still had 55 points last year for a million bucks. That ain't bad. That is again. That's another guy. I I forget how he left the Avs as far as what terms, but you know if they were in a a different situation, he's a guy I wouldn't mind having around. Top and, of the uh, list for points last year was Kevin Shattenkirk, and it, it looks like the Rangers have been clearing cap space to sign him. <clears throat> I think uh, that he's been kind of like 
openly going to the Rangers for months. Maybe even years. Um, yeah, we'll see how that works out, you know. Love to see, like, Nick Holden outscore him by two or three points over a season. <laughs> womp womp. <laughs> Sam Gagne is an interesting name from, um, yeah. from, uh, from Columbus. He's 27. He had 50 points last year. He made under a million. Yeah. That was a show-me deal. Um, he showed that he's not very good on the fourth line and that he can put up points on the power play if you have a decent power play. Yeah. Um, you know, not not knowing, I don't think Scott Young is going to be our power play coach. But you know, I, I don't know if the ads are really in the market for a power play specialist like that right now. Um, they need something on the power play. Yeah, they do. You know, but maybe maybe no Blake Como and no Iggy and no Carl and young guys and someone besides Scott Young coaching the power play will will get us where we need to be. Yeah. Justin Williams, Thomas Vanek. Oh, look, Yarmir Yager hasn't played for Colorado yet. Maybe this yeah. is the year. <clears throat> <laughs> I tell you, again, Justin Williams, he's sort of in that Marlowe mode. I mean, he's, he's kind of dropped off a lot more than Marlowe, like a lot more than Marlowe. Right. <laughs> um, you know, he, he would be a good leadership type to have on the team. Who else is yeah. interesting? Uh, Benino, Benino, Benino is available. Yeah. I don't know if he's ever going to recover from those injuries in the finals, though. Right. <clears throat> um. Martin Hansel. <laughs> Basically, what we're trying, kind of getting at here is UFA may not be the place to look this year. Well, let's let's look into this from a reverse perspective. Where are the holes in the Avs roster that they need to fill? Let's look at it that way. Um, let's head over to the Avalanche Cap Friendly page, which is right here. Expiring deals this year include Randy Bork and John Mitchell up front, uh, Cody Golubev and Feder Tutin in the back end. So once we and and we are cautious in RFA. Yeah. For now. For now. <laughs> Andrew Ghetto, Nieto, and Grigorenko also all uh, RFAs. I think 14 minutes from now, Weirkosh might be a UFA. I think that's pretty likely. <laughs> the other four I expect to all be kept, and as uh, if you've uh, paid attention, you know that Joe Sackett has already told us that Zadorov has a contract offer on the table. And he's also said that A.J. Greer... Chris Bigra are, I don't know if he, he's, he's not gifting them spots on the NHL roster, but he basically is because there's no one else. That's the expectation. Yeah. Um, I just, you know, if you look at it, they've, they've got 12 forwards pretty much. Right. And they've got six Ds pretty much, and that's yeah. without Duncan. Because they've got McKinnon, Duchesne, Landeskog, Soderbergh, Coldborn, Como, Conferant, and then Jost. And then Andrew Ghetto, Nieto, Grigorenko, plus AJ Greer. Yeah, I was. I, I don't think I was even including Grigo. Um, I'd been put Rocco in there because I mean, it's like if you save, a, if you protect a guy in free agents or in expansion draft, and don't sign him with the the thought of putting him on your NHL roster, that's kind of silly now. Kind of, yeah, it's kind of an interesting decision to make. Yeah. 
protecting him over a guy like uh, like Colborn, who's gonna be in your NHL roster for better or for worse. Yeah. Um. So it's I mean it, I, they don't really need much, and again I I think they can get by with not signing any forwards. Um. What they probably need is someone who's older and and is a, a solid third pairing defenseman. Because right now on D, they'll have Eric Johnson, Tyson Berry, Mark Barbario, and Nikita Zdorov, which is a passable top four. They're not great, but they aren't yeah. terrible. And what I'm thinking is it's it's going to be nice to have Lindholm and or Miranov with a you know a, a dependable left D on the third pair. So <clears throat> you know, where, where I'd be looking is sort of... You know, I don't want to say, you know, like Matt Green just got bought out. You know, that's that's not optimum, obviously. But if he's, you know, a one-year deal that you can flip him at the deadline, you know, maybe million cap hit kind of thing. I mean, that's, you know, that that'd be kind of nice to have. But someone like that, um, that that you can, who else would be good for that? Like Matt Irwin. I don't think he's signed because he I mean, he was on an AHL contract for most of last year. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> you know, but but someone of that genre. I think they do need one defenseman, but you know, it's like try, trying to get you know, like your Alsner Shattenkirk overpaid mega year deal. That's that's just not going to happen. That's definitely not going to happen. Yeah. Um, but just looking at the, who the Avalanche have to re-sign over the summer, all, all of their UFAs are probably and or definitely gone. I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm scared that Rennie Bork is coming back. I, I really think they're going to re-sign. Him, uh, <laughs> I don't know why, but I've just had that bad feeling for a while. <laughs> and so just with a real quick yes or no game on RFAs, Andrew Ghetto is an obvious. Matt Nieto should be a yes. Grigory yes. is probably a yes. That's I, I don't know. I think I, 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 I'm I'm not confident at all that he's going to be back. I didn't say definitely. So yeah, but I, I would say it's 50-50, but maybe even less than that. Weir Kosh is probably gone. Yeah. Zadorov is obviously staying. Yep. And now we head down to the AHL, where Rocco is likely, they, they just protect them. Of course, they're going to they're gonna extend them. Um, yeah. Felix Girard, who they traded for, for uh, Jordan I, McLeod for. Yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll keep him on a cheap deal. Um you know he was he's good leadership and and he's good in the AHL. I don't know if that he'll ever see time in the NHL, but um, I, I know Eric Vey likes him a lot, okay. so I'd say he gets re-signed. Eric Jelena. Nope. It's an all caps nope on Eric Jelena. <laughs> Turner Elson, who I had never heard of until just this minute. He was injured for most of last year. He he would have been a really good. Um, free agent signing for the abs um, in the AHL last year, but he just, he couldn't stay healthy at all. Um, I, I would say, you know, they, I, they'd probably keep him just because I don't think they're going to again, be able to recruit many people. So if he's willing to play for them, I, I think that's probably good enough for them. And then we've got Troy Bork. I don't know. Um, you know, I, he, he might be like Elson, like, you know, just because he's willing to sign, maybe they give him a show-me deal. Um, you know, it's they've, they've given him a lot of chances, and he hasn't really run with it. 
Next is Sam Henley and yes. <laughs> Gabriel <laughs> Bork, I bet, is on his way yeah. away. I don't know. I, again, I, he Veyu really likes him. He's good in the AHL. If if it, it all depends on whether teams are willing to offer him NHL time or not. I mean, if if a team is is willing to give him NHL time, then you know, he's probably going to push for for not being re-signed or something like that. But I I mean, if he's willing to to come back, I'd, I'd say the Abs would want him back. And I think one of the more interesting names to watch is the last one on the list. Maybe Dun- like number two for interesting behind Grigorenko is Duncan Siemens. I don't see why they wouldn't bring him back. You know, he's going to be the captain in San Antonio if he comes back. Um, and it, I mean, it's even in the realm of possibility that he's on the Avs roster to start the year. You know, I mean, he showed decently at the end of the year. There's not a lot of competition for for a seventh or eighth spot like that. Um, you know, if they don't end up signing more than one veteran, um, you know, he'll, he'll be on. I, I think he'll be either the eighth defenseman or captain in San Antonio. I, you know, I think again it, it it comes down to whether he's willing to come back or not, and you know that's just something like I I don't really know. I mean, it's not like he has a choice, but again, you know, an RFA that wants to leave, they're not going to qualify. Yeah, and, and he doesn't have to sign, but then he'd have to go play in Europe or something. Right. Um, he does have arbitration rights, so they could go that way. But I, Don't. You know. You're an AHL player. <laughs> exactly. Why would you do that to yourself? Yeah, exactly. I, you know, I, I think either Duncan takes something like, um, you know, maybe a league minimum one-way deal. Um, or, or something where you know he gets some good good money in the AHL and, and fairly cheap in the NHL. Yeah. Um, but just you know, I I don't see any reason to get rid of him. You know, I don't think there's a demand for a guy like that out and out on the market. And you know, he's. He's, he's part of the leadership team in San Antonio. I, I honestly expected him to get traded for someone else on an expiring RFA contract this year. I expected him to get Cameron Gonst, uh, but yeah. it, that didn't happen. So I, maybe they are going to keep him. I'm, we'll see. I, I mean, there's, it'll be doubly there's interesting still to see what they to like do with him. Game. I mean, he, he showed pretty well. I mean, it's, I, I wouldn't want to see him every night on the abs. I wouldn't want to see him as your, you know, your opening night's fifth or sixth defenseman, but... You know he can come up from the AHL and, and do spot duty and 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 be fine. Um, if he needed a seventh or eighth defenseman, I think he could do fine in the role as well. So, you know, instead of recruiting someone who, you know, sort of an unknown quantity, sort of stick with what you know. Go out into the free agency landmine and say, "Would you like eight hundred thousand dollars to eat nachos?" Yeah. So it basically comes down to they need. A left-handed third-pair defenseman, um, and I think that's just about it. Other than I don't know what they're going to be able to recruit for for the AHL. Right. You know, well, what, that's always a crapshoot. Yeah, exactly. That they might pick up a few guys for the AHL, but yeah. as far as what they're going to need for the the ABS roster, I, I think all they really need is is a backup goalie and, and a left-handed defenseman. So, what are you expecting from Moronov next year? Um, I mean, I don't think he's going to start 
as in playing. I, I, he might not play his first game until 15, 20 games in. But you think he'll uh, be with the Avalanche? I do. I, I mean, I'm, it's pretty clear he has no desire to go to the AHL. Okay. Yeah. So you need... So we're expecting Moronoff and Bigra to both be Avalanche next season. I'd say Bigra is probably 60-40 to be on the Avalanche, maybe a little bit better than that. Um, you know, I'd, I I think what happened last year is he came into camp, and I'm going to blame Patrick a little bit for this, but he, he came into camp bulked up and slower than he was the year before. And it was just the wrong year to do that because the guy that wanted bulked up and slow <laughs> left <laughs> <laughs> with a month before camp and he gets there and Bednar wants, you know, smaller and faster. And that's what, that's not what he was. And then he went down and got a concussion. And after that, it just, you know, when you come back in December, you're, you're basically in October and everyone else is three months ahead of you and he never caught up. Right. It's tough. So we'll, we'll see what we see from him next season. And I mean, so with, with him and Moronoff kind of splitting time, maybe as defenseman number six, then you maybe need a fifth guy and you maybe even need a second person to be that kind of designated plays 40 games. It's not just 40 games kind of role. Well, I think Lindholm almost definitely will be starting on right defense on opening night. Ah, I forgot about Lindholm. Okay. Yeah. I think the abs really like him. Um, so I, 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 I would almost guarantee that he's going to be in the starting lineup on opening night. So, Johnson's so I, still pretty good. Zadorov is good and getting better. Barry is still good. Barbario is definitely passable. And then you've got room to grow on your bottom pair. How would you do the the, the top four pairings? You know, would, would you put would you keep Barbario with with EJ and and put Z with Barry? Or you know, how how do you think that's going to work? I would put. EJ and Zadorov together as much as possible. Yeah. If uh, Barry and Barbario are getting dominated, then you break them up. But I think you put EJ and Z together as much as you can. Yeah. That's I. I think I mean that's probably how it should work. Although you know it's like Barbario and, and EJ seem to have some pretty good chemistry. Um, I think that's just Barbario and EJ. Like I don't think they necessarily have chemistry with each other. I think they just both have good awareness. And yeah. use their teammates. Use their team teammates. Use their teammates well. <laughs> yeah. Use their team eats. They use their fruits and crap. <laughs> yeah. No, I'd say I'd, I'd like to. I'd like to see Barbario as kind of that guy that that you know can skate with Barry. You know, it's like they they keep putting slow guys with him, and it doesn't work. And they keep doing it, and it's like I think they put a guy. You know, Barbario for now, perhaps Bigra in the future. Uh, they can skate with Barry. You know, they can have some really fast rushing Ds there that, that present a lot of problems and start to take care of a lot of Barry's perceived problems of poor defense. <clears throat> Fresh uh, from the Twitter line from Euroland, Petter Kvacha will travel to Denver for the development camp. You better hurry. <laughs> right? He needs to be on a plane like now. <laughs> he needs to get there by i think eight o'clock tomorrow morning <laughs> which is let's see that would be i think that would be one o'clock in the morning central european time they've, so, got, they've got a red eye out you can sleep on the plane that that's good to hear he may be a little crunchy tomorrow but after yeah. that he'll be all right 
I was just it was fun reading their tweets how jacked up that dude was about getting drafted. Yeah. I think they said he was a wedding or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> so that's good. Well, uh, well, I think that means that we'll have everyone but Igor. Yeah. Maybe boy, if Igor showed up, the party would really start. But yeah, let let the let the Igor recruitment process begin. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining me today, Earl, and thanks to Ryan for spending as much time as he could. I enjoyed it. We've gone uh, extraordinarily long today, so thanks for thanks to you for for listening as long as you have. If you've made it all the way to the end for some reason, it is a. Uh, Probably a couple of weeks before we have the next one, so maybe you've listened to it in bite-sized little chunks. I wouldn't blame you for that. We did talk for a very long time. But I, I think we'll probably be back after they've had a, a full week of free agency. We'll, we'll, no reason to do a show on, like, the 4th of July weekend. No. We'll come back be. after that. <laughs> if, you're, if you're smart, haven't had the ability to, or haven't had the, haven't, had the, haven't thought of doing it yet, but you still have time, Take off July 3rd, four-day weekend. <laughs> Pro tip. That's what I did. So y'all have a good one. If you're not in the U.S., have a good Tuesday on July 4th, I guess. <laughs> Hopefully the Avalanche don't do anything extremely stupid in free agency. Just get us a backup goaltender and maybe a guy for the back end, and we'll move on from there. It's all we can hope for. It's all we can hope for, um, for sure. So thanks again for tuning in. You can catch the podcast on SoundCloud.com slash MileHighHockeyPodcast or on MixCloud.com slash MileHighHockeyPodcast. We're in iTunes. We're in your favorite RSS feed catcher. And as always, we're on MileHighHockey.com where you can get the latest abs news and updates. You can follow the site on Facebook at Facebook.com slash MileHighHockey or on Twitter at MileHighHockey. And uh, I'm StephHouse11 and he's McKinley06, I believe. That is. I always forget right. yours, but like when I start typing in it, it searches it for me. <laughs> I don't know how that website's free. Amazing searching abilities. <laughs> so anyway, we're we're out. We'll see you later. Bye bye. What are you going to use for bump music? I don't know. It's like <laughs> nothing that I don't have the rights to, that's for sure. <laughs> SoundCloud has no chill. All you got to do is mash something up and they're going, hey, wait a minute. Are you supposed <laughs> to be doing this? I didn't realize that. Mm-hmm. Huh. I'll probably just use like 10 to 15 seconds of something I've made in the past. I look forward to it. I mean, that's where the uh, the intro music came from. Yeah. It's a old song I did a long time ago that I called Fry the Octopus, and I was like, hmm, that fits. <laughs> Good one. The outro I'm using without permission, but that's just because I'm pretty sure that the guy who did it would give me permission, and I couldn't get in touch with him, so shout out to Melodiarch. <laughs> And also shout out to Bob Cole, who makes the outro completely. He does. <laughs>